Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, this is Jeff from Bloomington, Illinois. I presently own Las Vegas Sands, ticker symbol LVS. I'm wondering if I just get out due to the Delta variant and put my money somewhere else. And provides unbiased answers. Well, I think you answered your question. If you're willing to be patient and longer term, Las Vegas Sands and uh, Macau in general uh, is likely to come back. Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888 99 Chart. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, August 2nd, 2021 edition. Thank you all for tuning in. I know you all are pretty busy. It is summertime, uh, lots of vacations going on, and probably less focus on the market. Uh, that's oftentimes why, why the markets tend to meander uh, in the summer months, less people involved. Uh, but either way, no matter what month it is, what season it is, you need to stay focused at the task at hand, and that is driving yourself and your financial situation towards a more prosperous and sustainable future that meets your goals. And everyone's goals are a little bit different, but the thought process is often very similar. Whether you want to be aggressive or conservative, it's about balancing risk and reward and making sound decisions with your money, investing, saving, spending, etc. And that's why I'm here every weekday is to help you make better decisions with your money. And that's why I operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So I'm talking about the market, strategy, stock. It's all presented without bias. I'm just giving you the facts as I see them in front of me, as well as using the 20 plus years of investment experience to give you some perspective. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. Now, you can call, interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time, each and every weekday. Or if you're listening after hours, which a lot of you probably are because podcasts, you can leave a message on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. We encourage, encourage you to do that. We love our Voice Bank questions. And either way, the number never changes. It's 888-99 chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Nick calling from Idaho. I've got a question for Justin about Schwab. It seems that there are many young new traders using Robinhood. However, I see them discovering better investment strategies and platforms that will serve them better since Robinhood doesn't offer IRAs or lot-specific sell orders. I'm imagining that the scrutiny over payment for order flow will impact the earnings of the market makers, but I don't have a good comprehension of how this will affect the earnings growth of the brokerages. Could you please shed some more light on the revenue streams here and what would be a reasonable multiple for this company? Thank you. Bye. All right. Looking at Charles Schwab, and this stock has uh, certainly been on a tear since the 
March lows of last year. That was right around $28 a share or so. Now we're at 67. Supposed to make $3.16 this year, $3.57, sorry, $3.56 next year. And the big driver here is the acquisition of TD Ameritrade. Uh, I'm a bit intimately involved in this because we use for our client TD Ameritrade. And there's going to be an integration, a complete integration over the next few years. They're projecting it to be Q4 of 2023, however, until there's the full uh, integration of the TD accounts into Schwab. Uh, but that's going to be a big driver. TD is very large, and there are some great technologies that TD has that Schwab's going to adopt. Uh, others they'll probably uh, get rid of. Uh, but overall, that's going to be beneficial. And the fact that more people, like you said, are starting to trade, young investors and realizing that Robinhood and all these apps are just not good places to be holding your money. Uh, apps are great for a lot of things, but for stock trading and, and having a, a brokerage account, uh, it's, it's not ideal. Uh, and so more and more money is flowing to to Schwab and TD, and that's uh, that's benefiting them. And you can see that with earnings. Now, this has been on a tear. Uh, and what I would say is I would be a bit cautious here at these prices, and technically it is starting to weaken. It is now in a downtrend, both 50 and 100-day moving average. And this looks to me, it definitely has a des- destiny with uh, the 200-day moving average around 61. And I think the big, big support is going to be gap fill around $58 a share. That would be the first major support level uh, on this name. And 52, I think, would be really strong support, an area that we would love to get involved because our fair value is right around that 55, 58, somewhere in that range is where we would think uh, there's a fair value. Uh, But we like the business. It is on our watch list. So it is something that we're looking to pick up for clients, just uh, maybe not uh, at these levels with the the downtrend right now. I'd like to see it hit some major support and find some support at some of those levels before we get involved in uh, an aggressive way. Uh, But we like the name. I would definitely have it on your watch list. But uh, especially with rates coming back down, that was one of the big reasons, big drivers for uh, the the brokerage firm uh, brokerage firms to get a big rally was they could earn a lot more money on their cash and, and the fact that interest rates were rising that's beneficial for those type of names and now that rates have come back down I think uh, you're seeing expectations temper a little bit and uh, that's why you're in a downtrend now so I'd be patient on it but definitely keep it on your watch list now my focus point today poses this question could higher inflation benefit financial service companies that kind of links to uh, that call we're going to dig into that a little bit more and then also ESG I want to talk about ESG because it's getting a bigger and bigger topic in the financial world and the investment world and the big question is what does ESG mean what is Good ESG policy. Who defines it? And we're going to touch on one investment firm. And this is actually uh, someone speaking out who was formerly the chief sustainability officer at a fund, at uh, at a management fund, one of the big mutual fund companies. And she left and she basically spoke out saying that there wasn't really much direction there. Uh, and I think that's similar in, uh, in a lot of respects to other firms. And we're going to dig into that a little deeper so you understand kind of what ESG means in context. And then also, 
wages. Wages are going up for new workers, and that means existing workers are also looking for a raise as well. So you're seeing that inflation really feed into the the job market uh, and the economy, and we're going to unpack that also. Now let's check out on the market today. You had a fairly mixed day overall. The S&P, that was down eight points. The NASDAQ was up eight points. The NYSE, that was down 26 points, so uh, roughly one-tenth of 1%. And the market uh, leaned on the growth side a little bit today with interest rates down. You saw that uh, the 10-year was down six basis points. Pretty big move uh, on the day. And really, it was just a, a very modest modest down day. Nothing that exciting <laughs> happened, to be honest with you. Uh, it was just a, a modest down day after uh, a modest rally from last week. But overall, the mar- the equity markets, if you look at the NYSE, really haven't done much since mid-May. Sorry, mid, yeah, mid-May. Uh, you've just been kind of meandering sideways, uh, doldrums of the summer. Now we're heading to a quick break. I'm here with my computers, my databases, my experience and knowledge, and I'm ready to answer your finance and investment questions right now. So give me a call on InvestTalk at 888-992-4278. InvestTalk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24-7 in the Invest Talk voice bank. Remember, for live or recorded questions, the number never changes. 888-99-CHART. Hello, Justin. This is Todd, Birmingham, Alabama. I've got a question on Magna International, MGA, on it, and I was looking at the charts. I have two questions. One, uh, Magna is in the $80 range right now, and I've got a little bit of a profit, but I went and looked at the charts for 10 years, and Magna has rarely, if ever, gone over $45 or $50 prior to this year. Do you expect a reversion to the mean on business like this, or can they continue at this level, which is higher than what they normally have? My second question is the charts. I get a simple moving average of 200, and depending on how wide my chart is, how many years or months, my simple moving average is different uh, for the same day. I hope that makes sense, and could you tell me why? Thank you again. Bye. All right. Great question. And I'll start with the last one first. And what you're looking at are different time frames. So uh, on most charting programs, if you're looking at a daily and there's a 200-day moving average, it's looking at 200 days. And that's the time frame that you're looking at. And that's going to be one moving average. If you go to, say, a weekly chart, you're going to look, it's going to be looking at 200 weeks because it's a weekly chart. And that weekly data is going to be very different, and that's going to have a different 200-week moving average. You go to the monthly, there's going to go look back to the 200-month moving average, uh, 200 months uh, in the past, and give you that moving average. For example, 
Right now, the 200-month moving average is down around, where is it, uh, $34.97. Okay. You go to the daily, the 200-day day moving average is at $80.62 because you're looking at different uh, time frames there. So that's your, that's your explanation. Uh, when it comes to the company, you're right. It is uh, up and down. It, for, let's, let's start off with what they do. They are one of the largest OEM manufacturers in the world, and it means they produce uh, exteriors, interiors, seatings, roofing systems, body chassis, powertrains, uh, closure systems, electric vehicle systems, all these things for the major automakers. Uh, about half of its revenue comes from North America, while Europe accounts for about 44%. So the majority in those two developed markets uh, with the probably the German manufacturers and then the, the U.S. manufacturers mainly. And their business, just like the car business overall, is very up and down. It's very cyclical. And you see that on the chart. In 2015, it had a high of around $60 a share, then fell all the way down to about $30, got cut in half uh, by 2016, just a year or so later. And then it rallied all the way to roughly $67 in 2018. And then in March of last year, hit a low of, let's see, $23. So you can see how volatile it is uh, and volatile the stock can be. It's, it's very cyclical. So you should expect that. Now, valuation-wise, it, it, based on current EBITDA revenues, et cetera, it's, it's not expensive, but it's definitely not cheap, that's for sure. So I wouldn't get excited. Actually, it's actually modestly over, overpriced based on those multiples historically. So I wouldn't get excited there. And then the chart is now in a downtrend. So all the talk about a shortage, et cetera, uh, I think that's really the issue here uh, is that it's in the midst of a supply glut and the supply, not glut, supply, uh, dearth of supply, say that, uh, because of semiconductors. And that means if cars aren't being built because they don't have the semiconductors, it means they don't need chassis and these other things uh, as well. There's probably a backlog of those just uh, ready to be produced uh, and, and put into cars. So, you know, I don't love the name here at these levels. I would definitely need something uh, that's closer to the 70, $65 to $70 range. Now we're at 84 So I would be patient on it. It's still a good company. Uh, but I wouldn't get excited until you hit sub $70. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And with all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that during these times of market uncertainties, inflation rising, and the economy slowing a bit, the task of building a strong portfolio that fits your needs and goals much, must never stop. That's what we're here to help you do. And your participation is vital. So that's why we love your calls and questions. So don't hesitate. Reach out. 888-992-4278. When you tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads, let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. 
For example, browse by episode title for potential questions and answers on 401ks, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate investing, commentary on growth stocks, listener stock picks, and more. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com. Let's go to Art in Menlo Park. He wants to talk about Roth IRAs. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, um, of course. I just wanted to make sure I have this correct as far as uh, Roth IRA goes. Um, take, for example, um, the question is actually for a nephew of mine. But uh, he wants to um, uh, deposit uh, like about five or 6000 a year. And let's suppose um, he does it for 10 years in a row. So that'd mm-hmm. be 60000 mm-hmm. uh, And I told him that um, you could actually pull that initial 60000 out, you know, after the 10 years, but you just can't take the, um, the gains on it. And yes. um, I just wanted to find out, uh, is that your understanding as well? Yes, you can, uh, you can take out the contributions, but not the gains, correct? Right. Is there, do you know if, uh, if you could take a loan on it to uh, purchase a house or something? No, uh, you typically, there are, there are uh, ways that you can take money out that are, are qualified um, based on if you're a first-time home buyer, things like that. Um, that's more of a, a CPA question, but there are first-time home buyer exceptions that you can use some of that money for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, the reason why I asked that is because he wants to try to use it with his, uh, VA loan because right now he's in the service. So, uh, mm-hmm. he's thinking he's going to be in there for about, you know, at least five years. So he wants to contribute to his, uh, IRA or his Roth IRA. And then, uh, if he could use, um, if he has gains, then use some of that to purchase the house. Along with a VA. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think that will uh, definitely help. And there are, you have to check on the IRS rules on what exactly that means for uh, taking money out of your, your Roth and what qualifies and what doesn't. Um, so I would have him uh, refer to the IRS website on that, but there are some first time home buyer exceptions. So using part of that uh, is certainly a possibility. All right, thanks, thanks for calling. Uh, no problem. Now, my fo- focus point today is on the financial services industry. And it is certainly the financial service sector as a whole has outperformed pretty dramatically uh, since the March lows. And talking about 55.4% increase uh, over the last year or so, where compared to the market of 439 Um, And that's in an environment, and this goes to show you, an environment where inflation is rising, uh, the economy is growing. Uh, that helps financial service firms for a couple of reasons. Interest rates are going up. So the spread between what they can borrow money at and what they lend at uh, is wider. And that's been going up up until the last couple of months. And that's another reason why you're starting to see a bit of financial service weakness uh, in this environment. And you have to be concerned, uh, a bit concerned about that and, and limit Maybe not eliminate, but limit your overall exposure in the short term as long as interest rates remain under pressure. So that's one factor. 
Another factor is the economy is growing. And what does that mean? Incomes are going up. More people are getting employed. That means more people can afford their loans to pay on their loans, uh, whether that's an individual or a business. And the amount they have to set aside for reserves to pay for bad loans starts to go down. You see that with a lot of the earnings of the big banks, where last year you had big losses or big drops in earnings. And a lot of that is reversed. Now, a lot of that is also non-cash to where it's just money set aside. They're not actually spending it or using it. But it is a in 2020, it was a drag on earnings because every amount, every amount they put aside for uh, loan losses is money that's subtracted from earnings. But then it's the opposite. When they take money out of those reserves and say, we don't need as much, and we put them back into earnings. So you have to understand those machinations with financial service, especially bank earnings overall. And bank executives believe that the government's fiscal and monetary stimulus create, have created enough bridge to make sure there aren't too many defaults that puts their, their balance sheet in jeopardy. Uh, and also the fact that there's so much reserves in the system. Back in 08, there was a lack of reserves. There wasn't enough liquidity, and that created a bigger problem. Now, they do expect loan delinquencies to increase in the back half of the year as unemployment benefits roll off, as the moratoriums on rent and foreclosures start to wear off as well. So do expect charge-offs to start to slightly increase next year and into early 2022. But don't think it's going to be some catastrophe. It's very unlikely that it will be. Uh, so it's going to be nothing like a wait, but understand those dynamics. And uh, this is a good, dramatic experience that you've, you've seen over the last year and a half that will show you why these, this sector is outperformed. And you need to take those lessons moving forward and understand those dynamics between growth and inflation that helps you build your portfolio and overweight and underweight particular sectors. For example, that Schwab call. Schwab is in the financial service industry. If interest rates continue to go down, economy slows a bit, you have less stimulus in the back half of the year, that's going to be a headwind for them. But there will be a time in the future where there'll be a tailwind and you want to be overweight that particular sector. Now, on the next Invest Talk, story behind this headline. It looks like U.S. consumers are ready and willing to spend, but that story tomorrow. Give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hi, this is Jeff from Bloomington, Illinois. I presently own Las Vegas Sands, ticker symbol LVS. I'm presently down about 23%. I'm wondering if I just get out due to the Delta variant and put my money somewhere else, or do I hold for the reopening play in Asia? I realize I'll probably have to be quite patient to get the uh, rebound, but I see it as a, as a good long-term opportunity. Thank you. Well, I think you answered your question. If you're willing to be patient and longer term, Las Vegas Sands and uh, Macau in general uh, is likely to come back. And uh, yes, there may be some more restrictions in the near term, but we know that 
these these variants are going to happen. Uh, they're going to flare up, but they're also going to be relatively short lived. Uh, that's what the science says. What's what the if you're vaccinated, it it doesn't affect you very much, and it will it will die out uh, overall. And so use this as a, a buying opportunity if you have a long term time horizon. But you have to be patient, and you could uh, have another five or ten percent uh, down. Don't don't think you can. You're you're getting close to those lows from early last year, and that was around thirty six dollars. So that's another ten to fifteen percent down from here. Uh, and so I would not be shocked to see it get there. Uh, but to me, this is a uh, time you would be adding to it, maybe not aggressively. Maybe you want to wait for uh, a major flush, uh, a major capitulation on giant volume, which you started to see last week a bit. But I don't think it's been uh, to the extreme level. Uh, and maybe that's a time where you step up a bit more uh, to, and, and, and add to it. But I would just be patient if I were you. But if you have a short-term time horizon, then obviously there, there's a lot of risk in, in the near term. But longer term, I think you'll be just fine. Now, this is Invest Talk, and we have now surpassed 33 million downloads. And let's get to another caller question from 888.99 chart. Justin, Steve, Matt from South Florida, love the show. Calling about INFL, which is uh, basically a tool to hopefully mirror inflation. Uh, bought it in mid-May and got out of it at a break-even recently. I guess a couple questions on this one. Do you guys still think that this stock is able to effectively track inflation? Because I would think from mid-May to late July, that stock should have gone up with, tr- with inflation going up. Uh, with an expense ratio at uh, 0.85%, I expect, um, I guess, that stock to more mirror real inflation. So if that is not, now that I'm out of it, maybe is there a similar way to try to truly mirror inflation? Appreciate your uh, recommendation. Well, there there isn't anything that is going to be a perfect catalyst or perfect correlation to inflation. Uh, but there are a lot of different type of assets. And that's what this is mainly trying to do is to give you exposure to various types of businesses and assets that tend to go up with inflation. For example, uh, commodities, they have the second highest uh, weighting is Texas Pacific Land Corp, which is a uh, oil and gas trust. Third is Franco Nevada, one of the best uh, gold and silver streaming companies in the world. Uh, you have other types of uh, companies, financial services. Uh, Deutsche Börse is, is one example. And like I talked about earlier, rising inflation tends to be good for those types of businesses. Uh, so this is a fairly well-diversified suite uh, of companies. Now, are they the best ones that, that we would own? You know, Maybe not. Um, but there are about 30 different, 38 different equity names, about 50% U.S. equity, 50% non-U.S. equity. And you're, when you say that you would expect the, uh, this to go up over the, the May to, to June or May to July timeframe, uh, no, that's actually not true because the inflation trade was consolidating or still is consolidating, uh, since then. And so if you, are looking for a broad suite of sectors, exposure to sectors and companies that tend to do well in an inflationary environment. This is not a bad mix. Now, you can go in there, go to Morningstar, go to the prospectus, find the positions, and maybe you uh, can put your own 
diversified mix of, of companies in there that maybe you think are, are better. Um, but you could also own something like a DBC, which is going to be the commodity tracking index. And that's going to be more directly tied to commodities in general. But that's obviously going to ebb and flow. So I, I don't have any problem with this. Uh, just understand that just because it didn't work over a three-month time frame doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. Uh, the expense ratio is a bit high, 0.85%. So probably not something that I would uh, be investing in based on that. But if you know, we, we create our own uh, portfolio for our clients that will do well in an inflationary environment if we see inflation accelerating and then we pivot uh, otherwise. And you would need to understand that as well, is that there are times where inflation expectations are rising. That was happening in late last year and early this year. But the expectation of inflation has been more moderating over the past few months. And that's why this hasn't done that well. So you just have to understand that in context. Let's go to Eric in San Jose, and he wants to talk about big lots. Hello? Yeah. You own it or are you looking to buy it? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, looking, looking to buy. Okay. And do you, what, what do you like about it? What's, your, what's drawing you to big lots? Um, so I, I've just been kind of looking at it. It, it looks like they've got pretty sound um, financials um, and, and their growth is, is, is good and steady at this point in time. Okay. Well, uh, I would kind of agree with that. We do own this for clients. Now, they, they were big beneficiaries of extended unemployment benefits, and, and uh, some of those initiatives are, are wearing off, like I've talked about. But earnings are still expected to be $7.35 for 2021, $6.74 for next year, and $6.79 for the year after. They're producing very strong free cash flows. They're buying back shares. They were at 69 million shares outstanding in 2012. Now we're down to 38 million shares and trailing 12 months, about 319 million in free cash flow on a $1.9 billion uh, market cap. So, you know, it is in a downtrend, but we are approaching some major support here right around the $55 level. So uh, I do think this is uh, still a good company. I would be picking it up on uh, this dip here because uh, they have strong, consistent profitability over the long term. Of the last decade, they've averaged in the probably about 25 range. And that's a very strong uh, number along with the cash flow, along with the uh, strong balance sheet with uh, minimal debt. And so uh, I'm a big fan of big lots. And uh, this is a good area to begin a position if you don't own any. So thanks for the call. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy and try to answer their questions in a bit quicker manner. And let's t- pivot to DGLR. Please give us your insights on SAM. I bought in February 2021 after a pullback. Should I add sell? I was a long term, uh, but guidance is not promising. Yeah, this is a great example. This was kind of known. Um, this was a, a name that had big growth with uh, the Seltzer company or the Seltzer brand. Uh, I forget what what brand. What brand did they own? Um, what is it? Angry Orchard, Sam Adams, Twisted Tea. Oh, Truly. Yep. So they, they Truly is their big uh, Seltzer brand, <clears throat> and all the channel checks. I heard this uh, all over the place. 
Channel checks, they had massive oversupply. There was truly just stacked up all over uh, the country. And there's just massive oversupply. And you saw that with the earnings announcement came in much lighter than expected. Uh, and that's why it's, it's dropped so dramatically. So it's a good example of how a trend got a little saturated, uh, oversupply, over uh, production, and that can hit margins. And so I think the earnings expectations for this year and next year are coming down dramatically. Uh, and I would not be owning it, especially at these prices, that big reversal. Uh, and the fact that it's stuck here right around the 700 range tells me it wants to consolidate and break lower. So I'm going to pass on Sam. I would move on, take your losses. Now, Bree from Reading says, here's my question. What do you think about Smith & Weston, S-W-B-I? Obviously, one of the largest gun producers uh, in the, the world. And it had a big spike back in June and it's come back dramatically, but back to some support. And I expect this to still remain relatively strong. I'm not sure why earnings are expected in 2023 to be all the way down to $1.90 from $4.54. I think this will continue. Uh, it's shown in a, in a divisive country with right versus left when there's uh, Obama was in the White House. Remember, it was Obama's going to take all our guns. Well, that didn't happen, but it also encouraged a lot of those on the right to go out and buy guns. And so there's still a lot of that sentiment that Biden's going to take away our guns. Well, that means they need to go out now and buy uh, more guns. And you just see that with that correlation in the earnings. 2018, 19, 20, they weren't good earnings uh, years for the gun makers because – Trump is in the White House. Trump's going to support uh, the Second Amendment. I don't need to go buy, buy guns because Trump's not going to buy, going to take our guns away. That's just the nature. That's not a, that's not me taking one side or the other. That's just the facts on the ground, and you see that with the earnings. And so, as long as Biden's in the White House, I think this is a good type of company to own. Uh, and on this pullback, I think it's good buy. Now, in most parts of the country. You don't have to look at the calendar. You know that summer is here. I'm heading out to Arizona this weekend, and it's 104 degrees out there. So summer is well underway, and we're well into the third quarter. And uh, soon enough, you'll 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 be hearing uh, Christmas. Uh, you'll be seeing Christmas decorations at the store. Uh, but with the volatility we see in the market, you need to be prepared for the gyrations for the stimulus packages that are coming out of Washington and what that means for individual sectors and the economy as a whole. And your portfolio needs to be able to take advantage of this new environment that we haven't seen, this fiscally dominated environment that you'll see over the next decade plus. And if you need help with that, you need guidance, reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, where we practice independent thinking and shared success as well. And we do that by Practice, practicing parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to do a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings, just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Just have a conversation and go from there. Next up, we will dip into the InvestTalk voice bank for a question that came in earlier from Minnesota. Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. 
to do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. Hello, this is Jordan from Minnesota, and I'm just calling in regards to ticker symbol GM. I got in around $26 a share, so I'm up about 120% right now on it. Uh, just curious what your thoughts are, if I should cut it down or just hold it. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, looking at General Motors, I'm going to have to tell you exactly what they do, but I do think it is uh, fairly valued. So now that you're up over 100%, what I would do is a rebalance. Is This is an industrial company. It's a very cyclical industrial company. Its uh, profits go up and down dramatically depending on the economic cycle. And these are the type of names that when things are rough, like in March of last year, you want to be buy aggr- buying aggressively. Sounds like you've, you did buy that. Maybe not the lows, but you did buy it uh, last summer uh, and you're doing very well. Well, now with optimism around earnings, supposed to make $7 a share in this year, seven oh five next year, and that's near record highs. I would be thinking about your overall allocation to the industrial space and right-sizing this as a percentage of your portfolio, making sure it's maybe no more than 3% of your overall, overall allocation, and then go from there. And that's the way I would be thinking about it, is in the broad context of what weighting is this in your portfolio, what weighting is industrials in your overall portfolio, and making sure those are right size. So I do think it's fairly valued. And at these these are the times that you want to be thinking about trimming that. Make sure you also get long-term capital gains uh, if you uh, are getting close to that year mark and it's in a taxable account, something to think about as well. Now, I want to, I want to go to another iTunes review from Sorcery Mickey. It says, great learning tool for beginning investors. This show has given insight into some of the things I was doing wrong as a beginner. I share the Steve's outlook that inflation is coming sometimes soon. As such, I was looking at taking a position in Barrick, GOLD. I know you own a stock for some of your clients, so I was wondering what price would be a good entry point. Well, I think the gold miners in general have pulled back and they're starting to firm up here, making a higher low and potentially, uh, sorry, higher high and potentially higher low. And we are in, in this confluence of a lot of the major moving averages, the 150, 200-day moving average. And for GL, gold, G-O-L-D, Barrick, uh, this is at 22.75 is the 200-day moving average. Now it's at 21.57. So it's a bit below that, about 5%. If we can break above that, I think this really, really takes off. And if you look at the fundamentals, uh, a lot of the gold miners produced really fantastic profits uh, in this latest quarter. And Barrick is, is no different. And I still think it's expected to make a dollar thirty next year, uh, which would be a record high. And I, I, I still like the name. Uh, like I said, we own it for clients, and I don't see this as a bad entry point. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday. Let's help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call during our live program, you want to do it right now at 888 chart It's 888-992-4278. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions 
888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. My name is TJ. I have a question about Nintendo. I currently own the stock and has done fairly well through the pandemic, given the shift to handheld gaming at home. I'm looking to hold it long term and wondering if this is a good time to add on a pullback, given that it does have a strong brand recognition and strong profitability at this point in time. I do see that sales forecasts are expected to fall in the next three to five years. However, I do want to be in this long term. Do you think I should sell and wait to get back in a different time? Thanks. Look forward to hearing it on the show. All right. Looking at Nintendo. And Nintendo is, uh, most people know what they are, right? Japanese video game maker. And, you know, they, they've not only say lost the battle, but certainly uh, are well behind the PlayStations uh, uh, and Xboxes of the world, especially for those uh, high margin games. But uh, handheld uh, Switch is, is certainly very popular still. But earnings in 2021 are $4.55 and expected to be $4.23 next year, uh, $4.21 the year after. But that's still well above 2019 levels of $1.82. So is there going to be a continued reversion to the mean is uh, the bigger question. And another great question is what is the long-term profitability of the name? If you look at return equity, it's really been pretty meager up until 2019 when uh, they started getting that up into the mid-teens. And it's a competitive industry. Uh, it's free cash flow is, is kind of all over the board. Uh, and the chart is now in a downtrend, below all the major moving averages, making lower highs and lower lows. And so I'm not getting excited about it from here. There's probably, once again, going to be that reversion in the mean of closer to the pre-pandemic level of $1.82. Um, and a lot will depend on the, the console cycle and uh, the handheld cycle. More and more uh, people are using their, more and more kids are using their phones and getting phones at younger ages and playing with apps on there. Uh, and that is becomes more competitive, uh, another competitor for uh, Nintendo. So I, I I love Nintendo. I it was my first console. I got the original Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and then Nintendo sixty four, uh, and those were great childhood memories. And I think uh, and, uh, Mario. They have some great great intellectual property there that they'll be able to leverage longer term. But I think at these valuations, I'm just not getting excited at a sixty two billion dollar market cap. I'm going to be wait on Nintendo and pass. Now, let's lastly touch on ESG. And this was a very interesting, kind of not a whistleblower, but this was the former chief sustainability officer at w, DWS Group. This is a the asset management arm of, D, of Deutsche Bank. And they might say that their standards are above the industry average, but apparently, according to her, who just recently left, that... They behind closed doors, they struggle to really define and implement what is an ESG strategy. And in the marketing, they're painting a much different picture than what they're saying uh, behind closed doors. And this, to me, is not a knock on Deutsche Bank or DWS. I just think it's the industry as a whole. Because what defines environmental, sustainable, and governance? Good. What, what does that mean exactly? Who's defining it? Most of the time, they're making it up as they go along, okay? 
And they may talk a big game. And what she's saying is that they make these big statements on climate action and inclusion. But when you look at the actual underlying process, it doesn't really meet any standards because there really aren't any standards. And oftentimes the things that they are putting in the portfolio are clearly either not sustainable or they have bad business ethics. For example, they point to Wirecard, which according to DWS had the second highest business ethics grade back in June of 2020. And that was the midst of their scandal of accounting fraud and falsification of documents, etc. And they had that rank until uh, just recently in July, they put it to an F. And so what is ESG? It's still evolving. And uh, so don't think that if you're buying ESG, you're getting something that is, lives up to the standard because there are no standards. Most of them are making it up as they go along. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. I encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you all can find at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com, where you can browse by topic, health savings account, market volatility, tech stocks, etc. All there by titles that you can search for. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.